You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Andy Frost, like man, just... he's a legend. He used to be the PA uh, lead announcer. Toronto oh, yeah. goal, his third of the season. Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Two on all. Finally, Rostovic. Great save by Anderson. Finally stayed on side. The white man, Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores! He took fast down and his shot trapped is in the corner. All right, here we go, episode 18 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And a reminder, Not Another Leafs Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. New users use code THPN at sign up for exclusive discounts. Brendan McCarthy and Ken Stapon with you on this Monday morning. It's uh, Well, it's actually the Sunday that we're recording, but you'll be listening to it on the Monday following a Oilers 4-3 win over the Maple Leafs in OT. Connor McDavid gets the game winner in overtime, and that should be expected when you go down to three-on-three that he's going to dominate the play. Yes, sir. Hello, Kenny. And this is uh, episode 18, which is the Alan McCauley edition of Not Another Lease podcast. There's a blast from the past. Alan McCauley, former centerman who used the mission stick. Did you ever use the mission stick? No, I was, <laughs> I was never a mission guy. I was, uh, I had like an Easton two piece, but I did Ooh. have uh, the Sunday and the Sunday and TPS blade. Classic. Yeah. That was, uh, that was my favorite curve after, uh, Stevie Eiserman retired and then I couldn't get that toe curve anymore. Well, Kenny, it's almost fitting that the two respective superstars, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, each taking turns playing hero for their clubs and, Connor McDavid putting on a clinic last night, and we're going to be seeing that highlight coast-to-coast goal for many years to come, and he can make the the best defenseman in the world look like a junior B player and then also just make other average defensemen look really, really bad. He looked, he looked like he was playing like against peewees out there. Once he gets up to speed, wheeling and dealing, it's like you see him accelerating out of the defensive zone and it's just Leafs fans are just groaning because you know what's coming. Knifes right through the defense and pots the the winner. It's like, man, he's absolutely unreal. And I know that Matthew's metrics are a little bit better as far as goals per 60 minutes, five on five, but 
it's, man, this guy's in another league. Like when he gets going, it's unreal to watch. But as for the Leafs, man, a very, very successful business trip in Alberta, taking seven out of a possible eight points, 15 points in 10 games. The Leafs are tied with the Washington Capitals for the best record in the league. Finally, the Leafs get a bit of a break, as I feel like they just had game after game. They will not play until Thursday as we enter the month of Feb to begin a three-game series set versus the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, seven out of eight points in Alberta. And I think if you told Maple Leaf fans that that was going to be the result of this road trip, they would be extremely happy, and they should be. These are two difficult teams who are expected to compete for playoff spots in Alberta, and Toronto is certainly separating themselves a little bit from the bottom four or five teams in the division. Montreal also has uh, been playing tremendous hockey, so those two teams sit atop the Scotiabank North Division. And don't tell Montreal fans that, Toronto sitting in first place. I know they are as far as uh, points are concerned, but Montreal, I believe, still has at least one game in hand. So certainly they'll be uh, contending for the top spot in that division moving down the stretch here. This is a good opportunity for Toronto to reset, get their starting goaltender a little bit of rest, and then play a Vancouver team that's really struggled to this point in the season. I know they found their legs a little bit, getting a couple wins against Ottawa, just beating them up. But Ottawa's the small kid at the schoolyard. And now Toronto has an opportunity to put some even more distance between them and the bottom teams in this division against the Canucks team that has looked very inconsistent to this point in the year. Right. And the Canucks are coming off a 4-1 win against the Winnipeg Jets last evening. And they're starting to pick up too. Obviously, Elias Pettersson had a bit of a dry patch to start the season, but three of their big guns comprising the top 10 in league scoring, that being Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes leading all defensemen in points. But Kenny, you look back at these four games on the Alberta road trip, tight knit closeout games. There weren't a lot of bad mistakes from the Leafs. I know they had a lot of careless penalties. Some penalties shouldn't have been penalties. I'm looking at that perfect play, (laughs) two minutes for love tapping. But again, that happens. And sometimes in that certain situation, the ref will reward you with maybe a a call that shouldn't have been called on the other end. So you got to eat it, whatever. The only really thing that I thought they need to improve on is touching up some of those careless penalties because there were a few that they just don't need to take and they're just sewering themselves when they have a good opportunity to start closing out games. Well, when you're playing talented offensive teams such as Edmonton and the Canucks, as you noted before, a ton of high, high-end offensive talents. You're just shooting yourself in the foot by taking these penalties. And I agree with you that officiating has been uh, a point of conversation, let's say, in the Toronto media surrounding this team. And it seems like year in, year out, we're always talking about how Toronto's always near the bottom in the league and penalties for while taking substantially more penalties against. The good news for them is that their penalty kill seems to be operating Uh, pretty good efficiency to this point in the season but yeah I think that ultimately if they can tighten up that area of the game the way that they've been able to compete in one goal contests has been extremely impressive so far They, they look like a much tighter checking defensive team this is something that Sheldon Keith put a lot of emphasis on coming into this season understanding how difficult it is to change a defensive structure in a system when you're coming in at the midpoint of the season or I don't know how many games, 20 games into the season, like he did last year, 
he can't really establish what he wants to establish right out of the gates. So certainly Toronto seems to have put more importance on the defensive aspects of the game and it's certainly paying dividends and it doesn't ha- it doesn't hurt that you've got a, an upgraded back end. I think Brody's been outstanding uh, completely as advertised as we've talked about in other pods and my goodness, Justin Hall has been doing yeoman's work for the Leafs. Him and that Jake Muzzin pairing have been by my estimation, the best defensive pairing on the team. And again, I know we talked about this last pod, but I don't see any way that that guy is not going to have a one-way ticket out to Seattle after the way that he's played to through the first 10 games of the season. Justin Hall is increasing his value and his AAV as the weeks move on here. And you know, one one thing in, in particular I wanted to to center in on was people really going back and forth on the Justin Hall, Connor McDavid. And there was that meme that that came out and it was the the patented MJ meme where McDavid's going, I took that personally. Because everyone was saying that Justin Hall was shutting down McDavid effectively, <laughs> looking like a top two defenseman. Okay, oh, he so didn't funny. shut down McDavid. But he did, if you watch hockey really carefully, Justin Hall, he's not going to get into the highlight reel, but he did a really, really good job of limiting an otherwise lethal chance for Connor McDavid. And remember, he's their fourth best defenseman, Twitter world. So he wasn't, (laughs) I don't think you can shut down McDavid because you just saw, you just saw him blow by Jake Muzzin. You've seen him blow by, you've seen him blow by Morgan Morgan Riley. Yeah, you're not going to shut him down completely. And 87 is too good of a player. You can limit. Dude. It's all you can do. Yeah. Is that his number? No, it's not 87. That's Crosby. He's 97, right? 97. I can never remember the numbers. I get dyslexic when it comes to that. Anyways, yeah, 97 is one of those players that you are going to completely silence. But if you can silence him for, you know, five on five play and for the majority of the game, then you're going to be okay. And Justin Hall, I thought for a large part, did what he, he was supposed to do went in that difficult matchup and he eliminated the scoring chances in large part as well. The Oilers were getting the favorable matchup or at least the matchup that they wanted playing at home. And certainly we, we noticed that the favorable matchup as far as Edmonton was concerned to get McDavid on the ice against the Tavares line and sort of keep him away from Austin Matthews, which sort of solidifies what we've been talking about. The fact that Matthews is becoming a much more efficient two-way player that's now the other team's opposition is looking to keep their top centers away from him just because of the way that he's able to check them, not only in the neutral zone, not only in the offensive zone, but in the defensive zone as well. So something to watch moving forward as um, Matthews continues to elevate his game at both ends of the ice. And my goodness, what a goal last night again from 34. I believe uh, that's a goal in his last five games. So Austin heating up after just one goal through the first five. Now he has, I think, one goal in each of the last five games. Well, it was great because immediately after McDavid made it 3-1 with the coast-to-coast highlight reel move on Muzzin going shelf on Anderson, the big boys on the Maple Leafs return and answer with a clinic, passing clinic, let's call it, between Eminem, Matthews, and Marner. And, man, he's been off to a roaring start. Miko Lettinen getting on the board for his first career NHL point on the Zach Hyman power play marker. We talked about it before, how the bottom D pairing, Kenny, is going to be a rotating door, but Miko Lettinen certainly proving he can be a valuable piece on the on the back end. Yeah, good for him to get on the score sheet. I still think that there's more that Leaf fans would like to see out of Lettinen to this point. Sheldon Keefe, in large yeah. part, has been sheltering his minutes as far as certainly five-on-five five play is concerned as he still adapts to the NHL game. 
But I think there's been some promising looks from Letton. And um, certainly it's been well documented, his offensive upside and what he's able to do. I certainly think that he'll get opportunities to quarterback the second power play unit on uh, a lot of nights. But again, Sheldon Keefe has been pretty, pretty open to making rotations all over the place. We've seen Riley, we've seen Brody, we've seen Lettinen all out there at certain points on the power play. So they certainly are shuffling the deck in that aspect, but I would only expect his game to continue to adapt and evolve as the season goes along. And certainly having the depth on the back end, I think is going to be something that pays dividends for the Leafs down the stretch. And certainly as they enter the postseason, I think at this point, we can stop asking the question of whether or not Toronto is going to be a postseason team. I think that certainly they've established that there's no way that they aren't going to be finishing in the top four in the division, which is refreshing to see early on in the year. Um, but yeah, that's when the defensive depth becomes a problem for a lot of teams. It, could be, it was a problem for the Leafs last year in the play-in round against Columbus after Muzzin went down. They had nobody to take that slot and just no experienced defenders. So certainly uh, the depth on the back end as will be something that will help Toronto as the season moves along. And just a reminder to Oilers fans, goal differential for you guys is minus six. So when your two-headed monster isn't gelling, the rest of your team is not gelling. And we've talked about some of the pieces they've added to surround their top guns, Kenny, and I still haven't really seen it. Kyle Turris, Zach Cassian, Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I mean, when their big boys aren't gelling, it's the complete opposite to the least because they have really added some good scoring depth and vet pieces to surround their good players with. But Edmonton still needs to figure that out because yes, they got the win, but again, they were fighting tooth and nail for that win. I don't think McDavid was going to let the Leafs sweep them and completely sweep the Alberta trip. So whenever you hear a dry saddle McDavid, it just seems routine the other way back of the net. Yeah. I heard them talking about this on overdrive the other day. And one thing that Ray Ferraro pointed out was that next season, I believe the Oilers are going to be having $17 million come off of their salary cap. So that's obviously going to give them a lot of money to play with. Now there are certain players that you're going to have to resign. I believe RNH is due for a new contract coming into next season. You're going to want to resign him. Likely he'll get a little bit of a pay raise from where he's at right now, but at least you'll have the opportunity to divvy up the money the way that you want to divvy up the money, which is something that Ken Holland hasn't had the opportunity to do yet in his tenure as the Oilers management. And hopefully they'll be able to parlay some of that money into some assistance for these two top players, because they haven't had wingers who have been able to gel with them. They haven't had secondary or depth scoring in Edmonton, because where are you going to get like, realistically, where are you going to get on the market for a million bucks? Like you're really handcuffed into, you know, gambling on these players and seeing if you can bring them in and they're going to be able to contribute, you know, Kyle Turris, as you mentioned, has had some dreadful, dreadful years in Nashville. He actually just got bought out of that big contract extension this off season. So he's trying to, you know, rejuvenate his career and find his legs. You know, you bring in like Tyler Ennis and then ultimately end up waving him. These aren't, you know, bona fide top six NHL wingers. These are reclamation projects that you're hoping to, you know, find lightning in the bottle with. And, you know, so that works from time to time where you can get, you know, an Anthony Duclair type performance of a guy who has never put up those sorts of numbers before. But for the most part, the more prudent strategy is just to pay a little bit more and get the tried and true NHL talents to fill out your bottom six and fill out for that matter, the wing spots on your top six. All right, let's head to around the league.
Alexi Lafreniere with his first goal in the NHL for the New York Rangers. Only took him seven games to do it. So congrats to him. <laughs> I know everybody's been riled up about Lafreniere's performance or lack or production rather, or lack of production to this point in the year. But you know, this is just uh, the transition to the NHL game. It takes some players a little bit of time and no worries about uh, Lafreniere. I know it's only seven games into his career, but uh, certainly nice for him to get the monkey off of his back. Heading to the North Division, Kenny, defenseman Victor Mete wants out of Montreal. He hasn't played in any of the Canadians' games this season. His agent, Darren Ferris, and the team currently working together to find a trade partner. And they were certainly high on Victor Mete, originally a fourth-round pick, but he really has had some trouble kind of finding his role and expanding his role because he has been a part of the Montreal Canadiens organization for a couple of years now. Very young. I I believe he's 22, 23. And he could really be a good fit on another team that needs to bolster their top four. But I was a little surprised to hear this, that he wants out of Montreal. You know, Brenda, I agree with you. But I think the more surprising thing for me has been the fact that Mete, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to carve out a role in the top six in Montreal or a regular any sort of regular NHL play. Certainly he's one of the better skating defensemen in the franchise. He, his offensive upside has been well touted um, for whatever reason, Claude Julian just hasn't employed him as a member of his regular D corps. And certainly they have much more experienced defenders in there in Montreal. And then that's been one of the stronger aspects of their game. So for, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. And certainly Mark Bergevin is going to have a number of suitors who are knocking on the door because I agree with you. I think that this guy has the chops to contribute, certainly at least on the bottom pairing, if not move a little bit higher up the lineup as he uh, develops later, as he develops in his career here. I don't see why he would want out of Montreal. There has to be some sort of interference going on on behind the scenes, maybe involving Claude Julian. Obviously there's been players in the past who, who haven't gotten along with their head coach, like Max Domi reason why he left and now is, is sitting in the top six with Columbus. So Perhaps that is the case because, again, I'm going to say I did not – it threw me for a loop, did not expect it at all. So hopefully they can find a trade partner and get Mete out of Montreal. Um, Also, really cool last night, Kenny, the top dogs came to play. Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Connor McDavid, all scoring overtime goals for their respective teams in a 10-minute span. No, it's, uh, it's good television for sure. And uh, congratulations to Alex Ovechkin as well, as I believe he ties Gardner for Mike Gardner for seventh on the NHL goals list with the goal wow. that scored no T against the Bruins. So the great eight continues to climb up the NHL rankings in his career and ultimately will be regarded as, for me, the most talented scorer in NHL history. So congratulations to Alex Ovechkin. And um, it will be impressive to see how much further he can climb up the list. All right, it's time for Tweet of the Day. I'm going to start and go with Bo Bennett, former NHLer, short and sweet. But mid-game yesterday, he just goes, Connor McDavid, this guy needs to get called up. (laughs) Who is this guy, man? He got called up randomly from Erie last night and gets the game winner. Like, Oilers need to sign this (laughs) stud, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where if there were another league above, McDavid would be certainly able to play in that league, man. He's already just making the other best players in the world look like, you know, they're pylons out there. 
from time to time. So unreal performance again from McDavid last night. Uh, my tweet is actually going to come from one of our former classmates. I believe he was the year ahead of us, Grady Sass. Grady pointing out, if Morgan Riley was leading the NHL in points for defensemen, TSN, Sportsnet, and the national media would have a billion articles, graphics, and videos about his pursuit of the Norris. But if it's Quinn Hughes, they don't even bat an eye. Quinn Hughes, at least entering yesterday, had 11 points so far on the season and is seventh right now in the league in scoring for all players, not just defensemen. He's been absolutely outstanding. I can't believe the that this is they fell to the Canucks in the draft and that now they have a player who's able to contribute like this at this point in his career. It's absolutely outstanding. He's in year two, and he looks like he's already going to be competing for the Norris Trophy. Grady, you got to know better than that, man. I know you moved on to monkey knife fight or whatever. Congratulations <laughs> on the new rule. But you also used to work at TSN, and we pumped the tires of three players in particular now. Connor McDavid, you knew that, Austin Matthews, and Quinn Hughes. We do not hold back on Quinn Hughes. We will make every sting, every news tape, every montage, every graphic, whatever. We are high on Quinn Hughes. So that is just a sour. I don't know why he was sour last night because the Nuckies did win. Well, but, so I think I think I think you posted that. It says yesterday, but I think he posted it like before the game yesterday. Okay. But okay. Not, I, I know he's an avid look. Nucks fan, but we still pump the tires big time on Quinn Hughes. Come on. Yes, but he like I, I do think that this guy deserves a ton of credit from what he's been able to do at this point in his NHL career. Like, my goodness, he certainly has established himself as, I'm, by my estimation, the best defenseman in the Canadian division. The best, like certainly with his offensive pedigree and the defensive game will continue to come along. So, but is he is getting the credit the already? Path? I don't see anyone kind of shoving him aside. I yeah. I agree with you. I think he's top three. I think he's a top three defenseman in the Scotia division. Yeah, but I do see the points that uh, other fan bases would be pissed off because a lot of people do like to talk talk about Morgan Riley. And honestly, like Morgan Riley at times doesn't look that great as far as his uh, defensive game is concerned. Five on five, the analytics haven't been great for that pairing between Brody and Riley. At times they've gotten exposed. I know they're getting the most difficult matchup on most nights in and out, but I think it's a fair point that. Hughes does deserve a ton of recollect, a ton of, a ton of credit for what he's been able to do, and certainly he's gotten a ton, but probably he deserves more just because it's at, he's had an absolutely unreal start to his young career. It's also a Toronto market too, there, Grady. So I'm sure Vancouver. <laughs> what is it? TSN uh, twelve hundred in Vancouver. All Quinn all the time. I'm sure. Yeah, they they certainly love him out there, and what's not to love, right? Well, Kenny, we uh, are entering a new month. January is finally over. January blues, the bleakness of January. As when you, the listener, will be tuning into this, it'll be Feb 1. Kenny, I am going to be doing dry Feb, and I know you've been doing dry Jan, correct? Uh, Dry Jan, mostly dry Jan. I did cheat about once or twice, and now at the last weekend of January, I have uh, officially declared it over. So did have a couple beers last night at the brewery, uh, cheated on that, but certainly um, I would be happy to join you for dry Feb as well and just uh, shut it down. I think it's more just about uh, cutting back a little bit. I know that in the quarantine, it's pretty easy to just uh, sit back and crack a couple since you can't really leave the house. You just got to watch the NHL hockey and those naturally pair together, but certainly uh, I would encourage you to do it. I think it's just, uh, it's a great, great for your health, great for your overall mental well-being and uh i certainly dropped about 10 to 15 pounds 
after I stopped after I cut out all those uh, all those sodas. Well, it's the best to do it in February because it's only 28 days. It's the shortest month of the year. So February will fly by. Hopefully you as well will be joining Kenny and I on this, which we call it an excursion. A excursion, 28 day drive excursion, Feb. drive Feb. Hey, before we get out of here, what do you think of the Matt Stafford trade? I like it. I think he is going to thrive big time in LA. He was sick and tired of playing in Detroit and he couldn't obviously mesh well towards the end with Patricia, Matt Patricia. So man, this is a great deal. I think it's going to be culture shock for Jared Goff. Yeah. Going from Sean McVay as his head coach. I, I don't even know what the hell the head coach's, the new head coach's name is in Detroit. That was talking about biting off the kneecaps or whatever the hell he was doing in that press conference. A total complete hero move and a total disaster Cringe. from a PR standpoint. It was, it was awful to watch. But I feel like for Stafford, like congrats to him. If you want to talk about somebody who's at the library bar, I know we aren't necessarily doing that segment, but he's certainly got to be celebrating that he's heading to an organization with an established defense, only a couple of years removed from making a Super Bowl run and a head coach who's been touted for his offensive mastermind. So certainly Stafford will have a chance now late in his career to try to get that ever evasive playoff success. That's uh, he hasn't been able to get to that point in his career in Detroit. And it's only a matter of time, Kenny, before we're going to see Sean McVay as an analyst because he has quite the insightful <laughs> mind. I mean, if I was a reporter, I'd be like, wow, thank you for that juicy soundbite. You just earned my you, – you basically are the reason I have my paycheck this week. Thank you. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? He's not going to be an analyst anytime soon. This guy's going to be in the league for another 15 or 20 years. But Certainly, when the time I, comes, it's going to be like Tony Romo, yeah, man. I know you're you're just sitting here saying though, like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see him his analysis on the game. He could My do it opinion, right now and probably make more. He could do it right now, certainly, but I feel like he's got uh he's got bigger aspirations, perhaps yeah. uh, a couple of rings on his fingers before he's trying to hang him up and I, come I, and, and, and teach me about <laughs> you know the difference between a slant routes and in routes and like whatever the hell else uh, like he's doing, him and Romo just circling stuff on the broadcast, calling out every play. Oh man, it's well, you have it's, it's impressive to watch. It is, it is. Well, hey, I know we don't have Leafs till this coming Thursday, but you can still sit on the couch and lose money. And if you want to do that, you should check out DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app, enter the code THPN for exclusive offers at sign up. Kenny, enjoy your Sunday, my man. You too, B Mac. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>